Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And today we're talking about one of the most requested topics that we ever get, and that is optimization, CRO, user experience. And so we're talking about the idea of opting in as a, as a brand owner, as an e-commerce store owner, to optimization and what that means. Are you a D2C brand spending over six figures a month on paid media? If so, then listen up. My agency, OMG Commerce, and I have worked with some of the top e-commerce brands over the years, including Boom, Native, Groove, Monin, Organifi, and dozens more. And every year, we audit hundreds of Google, YouTube, and Amazon ad accounts. And we always find either significant opportunities for growth or wasted ad spend to cut or both. For example, are you missing YouTube ads? Whatever you're spending on top of funnel Facebook, you should be able to spend 30 to 50% of that or more on YouTube with similar returns. So if you're spending 300 to 400,000 a month on Facebook, you should be able to easily spend 100 to 150,000 or more on YouTube. Visit omgcommerce.com to request a free strategy session or visit our resource page and get some of our free guides loaded with some of our best strategies for YouTube ads, Google Shopping, Amazon DSP, and more. Check it all out at omgcommerce.com. Uh, my guest is a longtime friend, friend of the show, personal friend of mine. We've done events together. Uh, John McDonald, he's the founder and CEO of The Good. And uh, man, we go back years now. John, we'll have to unpack how long that's been. <laughs> Uh, maybe, but I think maybe the, the, we shouldn't. <laughs> maybe we should. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and so anyway, we'll, we'll talk more about that in a second. But, but John, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. And, and how you doing, man? Thanks for having me. Doing great. Uh, excited to be here once again. So a couple things that, that I'll, I'll point out before we get into the, the meat of this topic. Uh, one of the uh, last, actually it was the last for sure, mm -hmm. big events we did pre-pandemic was with you. Uh, we we got to speak. You and I got to speak at the YouTube LA offices to a room of like 150 e-commerce brand owners. Mm -hmm. I talked YouTube strategies. You talked optimization and uh, user experience strategies. It was a ton of fun. It was so successful that the people at Google, our Google reps, were like, "Hey, you guys got to do this, and we can do this in Chicago. We can do this in New York. Like we were laying all that out, and then of course uh, the whole world changed and shut yeah. down, and now." Still not doing events at Google. Uh, but anyways, great hanging out with you there. And then you and I also, we share an affinity for basketball. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you're much better than I am. You're a lot taller than I am too, which is rare because I'm 6'3". But uh, you're actually recovering from shoulder surgery right now too. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, when you are uh, 40, playing against 25-year-olds, thinking <laughs> that you're still in college, all of that. Um it comes with uh, some some injuries occasionally. And Play smarter, not harder, John. I think there that's you go. the key. I'm not sure how well that exists. Uh, yeah, I need to stop sacrificing my body. But yeah. um, but it. I love basketball, as you said, and it's the it's my meditation. Right, it's the one time that I'm thinking about just what's in front of me. I'm not worried about business or anything else, and um, so. It's really something I enjoy doing, and it, it really is great. I, I love it too, and I, and I get to coach uh, now. I coach uh, my my son, who's now graduated high school, and I'm about to coach my daughters. And there's something special about it. you get on the court, and that that's the only thing that exists. Just like he says, it's all it's all that matters in the moment. If you're playing, you're trying to box a guy out and get a rebound, mm -hmm. or trying to make a post move, or if you're coaching, you're just thinking about the strategy and the next play, and that yeah, yeah, the the world outside doesn't exist, and it's kind of a beautiful thing. Yeah, it really is, and. Um, like I said, I, I call it my meditation, but at the same time, um, it's it's also how I stay in shape, and I just love doing it. And I, I, I'll never stop playing. There's there's guys out here on uh, the club I play for. There's a team that's uh, 65 and older, Dude, and awesome. um, I'm going to be one of those guys. I can almost yeah. guarantee it. I love it. I love it. 65. Still optimizing websites if you choose to. Maybe just be an investor at that point, <laughs> and and still pounding it on the basketball court. So I love it, man. Um, well, uh, I always enjoy talking to you. you. You bring such a fresh perspective. Uh, you're really good at what you do. For, for those that don't know you, you know, you've done optimization work for, for Nike and Xerox and The Economist and lots of other big brands. 
and you work with up and coming e-commerce brands as well. And we're going to be diving into to opting into optimization. And by the way, I want to plug your book real quickly. Here it is, Opting Into Optimization. I got a personally signed copy. Uh, highly recommend that you check this out. But dude, you got some amazing people to write endorsements for this book. Uh, Webb Smith uh, from 2PM, the newsletter, one of the top newsletters in the e-commerce space. Nick Sharma from Sharma Brands. You got folks from Shopify, uh, really some big names. How, how did you do that, right? How, like, how did you get such yeah. big names to endorse the book? Uh, I asked them. Bribes, bribes and money. Bribes, bribes and money, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, doing a lot of the events like we talked, you know, like we've done together, uh, you just get to know people. And uh, networking, you know, leads to one thing to another. And, and basically, we put together a list of, you know, if I could have anybody endorse the book, who would be on this list and put a short list together and just start reaching out to people. And darn near every single one of them said yes. Dude, and it was so, awesome. And you can tell they really consumed the book. They think highly of it. Their, their, their words were very uh, powerful. And, and so kudos to you for, for such a great accomplishment because writing a book is painful. Uh, I wouldn't know because I've done it. I've just talked to people that have. And I've, I've actually almost did one time. And I was like, nah, I'm not, I'm not going to do this right now. So uh, kudos to you for doing this. Uh, but let's let's dive into this topic. So we're looking at optimization as a way of doing business. And so I want to talk through some of the, the laws of optimization mm -hmm. that you give. And I want to unpack these with you. I think this will be super actionable and helpful and hopefully inspirational as well to inspire folks to get out there and optimize their websites as well. Uh, but one of the, the first things you said and talk about in the book is that um, best practices are for beginners. Mm -hmm. Explain what that means, please. Well, okay, in optimization, there are so many of these top 10 lists or checklists or you know tricks to do different things to increase your conversion rates. And the problem is that you really need to be creating a culture of research, testing, and improvement. And so if you focus just on a list of best practices, it's really not going to get you that far. Um, you really, you don't know if it's going to work for your audience. And that's the biggest challenge is brands come to us all the time and say, hey, you know, I, I tried this list that I read and I went through this whole checklist and, and it really wasn't a meaningful difference. And in fact, I, maybe it hurt me in some areas. And the problem is, is that consumers aren't, you know, they're, you're, you, they're all unique snowflakes, right? <laughs> and so if you and I both had e-commerce sites and, you know, very, very likely we're going to be selling to different personas. We're going to be selling different products at different price points with different meaningful um you know, value to that that audience. So the problem becomes that if you and I are both trying to do optimize our sites off the same checklist, it's not going to have a very good effect. So unfortunately, you know, all the articles that are out there around optimization, um, ninety percent of them are are phrased around quick wins, and they're just I, I, you know really wanted to start the book with that law first to set the the foundation that. This is not going to be a checklist and you're done. Yeah. And I intentionally wrote the book about the theories and the things you needed to understand in order to be successful in e-commerce by optimizing your site. And that this isn't a book you're going to pick up and just get a checklist and work your way through it. Um, and this is more about how you should be thinking. And if you apply these philosophies and, and these different points, then you should be successful with your site. Yeah, I love this so much. And, and obviously, we, we love reading those articles and, and finding yeah. quick wins and quick hits. But I'll make an analogy. It's kind of like reading you know, quick hacks for losing weight or quick mm -hmm. hacks for improving your health. And you know, of course, there's some things that apply to everybody. Drink more water, exercise, sleep more. But so much of the rest of the health recommendations are very independent on the individual, right? You can't just say, hey, all you have to do is play basketball four times a week. Well, that doesn't apply to everybody, yeah. right? Or even food. Like I've really dug deep into to diet recently and, and we have a client that helps with these personalized gut health tests. But here's just a quick side note, fun fact. Broccoli, you know, the, the well-esteemed, mm -hmm. everyone believes broccoli is healthy, is actually a superfood for less than half the population. For a lot of people, broccoli is not easily digested and it actually can prevent 
the absorption of other nutrients. So anyway, just a little, quick little extra tidbit. And this totally makes sense. Yeah. I mean, to carry that and other stuff further, Brett, like how many people lose weight only to put it right back on a few months later? Yeah, yeah. It's right. the exact same they're, thing they're because following they, something that's unnatural for them. Yes, yeah. they don't have a sustainable process or mm -hmm. way of thinking. Instead, they're just going after those best practices and assuming they're going to work for them. Um, yep. And they might have a short-term effect, but it's really not sustainable. Yeah, yeah. So you're building a successful business to just keep scaling and reap the profits from or to scale and sell, which a lot of my friends that own e-commerce brands are doing that. Either way, you need to adopt this uh, optimization as a practice and as a way of doing business. So best practices, best practices only, not going deeper than that. That's for beginners. Love that law, fully agree. So awesome. Uh, next one, uh, this is talking about the scientific method. And, and so uh, you talk about, hey, it's the scientific method here, and we're not looking for silver bullets. So I'm assuming these two are a little bit related, but un unpack that just a little bit. Yeah, this is, uh, as you said, it's a little bit related. It's a follow-up to that in the sense that, you know, a lot of people apply these checklists and they assume overnight that all is well. Their site is as optimized as it can get. They're going to start seeing these good results. But unfortunately, there's no overnight success when it comes to optimization. Um, it takes time to put that culture in place, as I talked about. But also, you really just need to learn how to get 1% better every day. And if you just focus on that, then you will see big results over time. And what's going to really happen here is by just focusing on, on tweaking one little thing of your site every day, or even if you can't, you don't have the resources to do it daily, think weekly or do a sprint once a month, something of that sort where you're continually iterating. And the whole thing about this is really that it's a compounding effect very much like a scientific process where you're looking for small gains that compound over time. And that is the formula that's going to show sustained growth. Um, yes, maybe there's one or two changes that can help you leap, but they're all not going to, not, you know, all of them are not going to do that, right? So really want to be looking at this as how do I get 1% better every day and just make those incremental improvements. And if you have that mindset, you will win. I love that, and it, and it reminds me of the book Atomic Habits by James mm -hmm. Clear, and that's what he talks about. You know, from a personal growth and development standpoint, of getting one percent better every day, and at the end of the year, you're like three hundred percent better, right? And and right. and so, uh, but but also, I like the the idea that we're not chasing big wins per se. We're going to find some, right? There's going to be some tweaks you make to your cart or changes you make that improve the the site uh, page load speed. You know, then they will potentially cause a nice bump in conversion rates. But if you focus more on the consistency of little improvements, then those big wins will come as well. If you chase big wins, you may be bouncing around all over the place and end up frustrated and not really get the, the results that you want to get. So little improvements. And I've heard, the, and I love the quote that says, you know, we often overestimate what we can do in a day, but we underestimate what we can do in a year, yeah. right? And so these little changes compound over time. Yeah, it's it's uh, this kind of goes hand in hand with um, something called Ziff's law, Z-I-P-F. And Ziff's law, he was a, a linguist actually that found that the uh, top uh, one percent of words that are used, um, it, it's true across all writing. So there's a in the English language, there's one percent of words that are or that going to be the top one percent use no matter what book you open in English language. Hmm. And his whole thing is, is, if you focus on those 1% of areas, you can improve that 1% of area, everything else will fall in line eventually. And so he took that law that he saw in writing and started applying it to other uh, practices in his life. And he found that, hey, I just have to improve the top 1%. And if I improve the top 1% and start focusing on that, the rest of the 99% uh, of my life will follow along and get better as well. So when he starts editing books, he was looking, he, okay, I'm going to focus on 1% of this book that I know I can get better. And then he would so just the, So in, in the writing practice, it's looking at these the 1% of words that are used over and over again, yeah. identifying those and then changing those. Is that kind of what he's talking about yeah, for writing? Yeah, exactly. Picking and a more how, interesting word. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that alone will improve your writing. 
Um, and so it's really, you know, there's a whole bunch of laws like this, the 80-20 principle, yeah. right? A whole bunch of these types of things. And everybody started seeing these patterns around the same time. Um, and Ziff took a really interesting turn on it, though. It's just like, hey, you know what? I'm going to focus on on improving this 1%, and then everything else will follow along. Nice. Um, so yeah, there's a lot. So, to be so that, that's a really interesting concept. So so that's something that's published. There's the the one percent of the English language that's used over and over again. So that's identifiable. How do you make that comparison then to an e-commerce store? So how does an e-commerce store owner unpack or discover mm-hmm. what's their one percent? What do they need to focus on yeah. first? That's then going to lead to the the bigger improvements over time. Yeah. So the first thing you need to do is understand what are is that one percent for your site. For all of e-commerce, it's pretty easy. It's that path to purchase that the vast majority of your visitors are going to land on, right? So from a homepage to a category to a PDP to your checkout. And if you can improve, just focus on your homepage. How can you improve getting people to the next step in the funnel? Don't worry about anything else on your site. Just focus on that one little piece. How do you get people to the next step in the funnel? Once they're there on that category page, let's keeping with that example, how do you get people to find the right category of products for them, right? So what I'm trying to do here is, is think about breaking down these large complex problems of, okay, our conversion rate's not great. We need to fix our conversion rate. Well, that's a massive problem. When you really sit down and think about it, it could be a lot of different things. So instead, start looking for small clues of what's the, where are people dropping off in your funnel? And then just work on fixing that one metric. And that may take several months to, to really get some improvement on and sustained improvement. But so many people get really overwhelmed and they try to optimize their entire site and they're, they're just throwing tests at the wall. And they're saying, I'm going to run A-B tests over here and over here and I'm going to improve the checkout. I'm going to improve you know, the landing pages. And, and then by the end of it, they have no idea what worked and what didn't because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they tested or, or too many things Or what caused them to move backwards or... Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's kind of like kind of like the idea of looking at your whole business and saying, "I need to improve operations. I'm just going to do everything. I'm going to you know make all these changes rather than focusing on one thing. Like like we need to improve the calendar, clear the calendar for the team, or whatever. So no more wasted meetings, and let's make meetings uh, optional for some people. You know, you know what I mean. Like focus on one thing, get that better, then move on to the next thing. It may feel slower, but it's actually faster in the long run, and it's really the only thing that works, right? Yeah, yeah, and all the principles that we talked about are, are prove that out in a scientific yeah. method. Yeah, love it. So, so next thing is uh, you talk about the fact that the new visitors to your site are there for really just one of two reasons. Can you unpack those? Talk about those a little bit. Yeah, this one is interesting because so many brands try to do so much with their website that they lose focus. They lose sight of the fact that customers are only at your site. Um, for two reasons. And the first is because something led them to your site then to help them think that you can solve their pain or their need, mm-hmm. right? Very, you're not Facebook. People aren't there to hang out, kill right. time. They're at your site, especially an e-com site, because they have a pain or a need and something led them to believe that your product or service can solve their pain or need. So the first reason they're at your site is to solve their pain or need. Mm-hmm. And second once they've determined that you can help them, they're there to convert as quickly and easily as possible. So two reasons, I think you can help me. And then once that's been proven, I want to, I want to convert as quickly and easily as possible and move on from there. And that's really where most brands lose sight of it and start treating their site as a marketing tool where they really start to um, want to tell a massive brand story, which I think the brand story is important, don't get me wrong, but it needs to be weaved into that conversion journey. It should right. not be the only thing there. Um, so really, how can you just eliminate the barriers to people understanding if you're going to solve their pain or need and then help them convert? You both want the same outcome, right? Consumers want to get onto your site, solve their problem, and then leave. And you want them to convert as well. So helping them by having a better experience, better content, uh, easier path to conversion, everybody wins. Yeah, so how do, how do you first cause someone to feel trust or confidence that, mm-hmm. hey, I'm in the right place and this need I'm trying to fulfill or this problem I'm trying to solve, 
I really do think you can help with that. And then, yeah, make it quick, easy, smooth, frictionless, all of those things once someone does decide. I love that. And so uh, let's talk about the trust element first because another thing you say that totally ties into this is if you want to increase conversions, increase trust. Yes. So talk about that a little bit. Well, I, you know, the the best thing about this is that increasing trust is, can be one of the most effective ways to improve your your conversion rate. Mm. And it's something that a lot of brands just continually overlook. And um, I think that, you know, it's an easy fix, quite honestly. Um, most brands, the problem that they that they do is, is they're continuing to market at consumers instead of um, understanding, again, what the pain points are, and then saying, you know what, like, buy it or don't, we're here to make sure it's the right fit for you instead yeah. of that hard sell. Right. And there's easy ways to, to increase trust beyond that. I mean, just look at your footer. Um, most footers don't have what we call the trust trifecta. The trust trifecta, is should, you should have in your footer a, a full address, physical address, um, a phone number, and an email address. And if you have those three, we have done lots and lots of different types of testing on this, if you have those three, the trust factor goes up dramatically. And that's only because the consumer who has never heard of you before, by the way, most likely they don't know who you are as a brand, so they don't have any brand association of trust. Um, maybe they saw an ad, they clicked on it because they thought it could help them, uh, or they got it, you know, saw it on Instagram from a friend, something of that sort, which is some social proof, right? Yep. yep. But really when they get there, they just want to know if I have an issue, I can get a hold of you. And so that's a great way to do it. Now, we talked, I, I mentioned social proof. That really falls into this as well. Um, you need to have things like reviews. You need to have an understanding of um, you know, what types of um, testimonials are going to be most important and most effective. All of those combine to bring trust. But the easiest way to increase trust is to just help solve that pain or need and make it very, very easy to do. And then can most consumers will look at that and say, you know what, they care about my experience on this site. They're making it easy for me. And that increases trust dramatically. Yeah, I love this so much. And, and I'll mention one, one of my favorite marketing quotes uh, comes from Ryan Dice. And, and he talks about the fact that good marketing is a transfer of confidence. And I think in this case, the, the, these two concepts of confidence and trust are, are related where, you know, we have full confidence and trust in our brand and our products, but we have to transfer that to the, the customer. And yeah. So what are the clearest, easiest ways to do that? We often overlook it, right? That trust trifecta of physical address, email address, and phone number in the in the footer. That's simple, right? And, and yeah. yes, you may get some more spam and other things if you put your email address there, but it's going to be worth it with the, with your conversion rate increase. And so looking at something as simple as that. And then, yeah, I, I love examples when we're looking at social proof of, you know, I've seen this with, with fashion and apparel brands. I've seen this with, with skincare. I've seen it with supplements where, you know, you, you bring in those, those pictures that you can tell a real customer took mm -hmm. of you know them holding the protein powder, them yeah. you know applying the 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 skincare or or wearing the sunglasses or wearing the the ring or whatever. That type of stuff really works well. And I, and I think part of what you just said is understanding for my buyer what do they need to see and what kind of proof do they need uh, to really feel good about that. So so thoughts on how you decide what types of social proof for what what trust factors your brand needs? Yeah, the easiest way to do this is um, talk to your consumers. So mm. user testing uh, is the easiest way to do this, to dive a little deeper, where you send people to the site who match your ideal customer profiles, you ask them to complete some tasks along that journey and record their screen and their audio. And there's tons and tons of tool sets out there that will help you do this, but you could just set up a Zoom chat with somebody yeah. and turn off your camera so you're not distracting them. Ask them to share their, their screen. And then just say, you know what? I, I'm going to ask you to do a couple of things and step away, and I'm not going to help you. Um, and I want you to just talk through what you're thinking. Yeah. And it's so powerful because so then you get to much. watch, you get to watch what they're doing, you get to see their eyes a little bit, but then you also get to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I'm frustrated. Oh, why, why am I doing this? Where is this? What am I? I'm, I'm trying to do this. I can't find it. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Yeah, super powerful.
Nice. Uh, yeah, I love that. And and then as you kind of hear those things, you're going to make it simpler. Um, are, are you looking for specific comments around trust then that might key you in on, hey, we need a little more of this element or that element? Or what are you listening for to kind of yeah. understand um, what you're missing? Usually we're listening for what are their pain points that have not been addressed? Mm -hmm. And can we address that through social proof? Mm -hmm. So for instance, um, a big one we see quite often is a lot of people don't understand when you say it's like this is eight ounces of protein powder or 32 ounces of protein powder, right? Yeah. Most people would not be able to say what eight yeah. ounces actually looks like. Right. Um, right. So when you do social proof, that's why you mentioned people holding up the, the container. Yep. Because it's super easy then to have that association of, oh, that container next to a person looks this big, I get how much I'm getting. Yeah. So there's little things like that that you can do where you're, you're essentially um, killing two birds with one stone, if you will, right? Because you're saying, okay, now I got social proof of people out here who are actual customers who are willing to post a review. And by the way, I also have a picture of them holding the product, which is really helpful in understanding how much is the quantity I'm buying. Um, so we're looking for, for questions that are unanswered in that user testing. So if somebody says, I just don't know what eight ounces is for protein powder, how much am I going to use? They say, put two scoops in every day. What is two scoops? How long is it going to last me? Yeah. These are all questions that can easily be answered and you can have an aspect of social proof to that um, if you want. But answering, again, answering those questions immediately increases trust because they know, oh, the, you know, other consumers have had this question and they've answered them. They must have been around for a little bit. They're not yeah. new to this. And they care about helping me. They're not trying to trick me into buying this size that you know, it's only going to last me two weeks or, you know, buying way more because they know I'm never coming back to repeat order. Right, um, so. right. I love that, that, you know, the fact that, hey, just seeing a customer, a real customer answer a question, we can look at that customer and say, that person looks like me or, or I can tell by what they said, they value the same things that, that I value in a, a protein shake. And and then yeah, it, it gets it gets the question answered that you're looking uh, for an answer to, and and so uh, yeah, it's one of those things where yeah, you wonder like, hey, if I drink this shake, does it really replace a meal or does it not replace a meal? Well, this person just said, you know, I, I drink it in the morning and then I'm I, I don't need to eat again until two p.m. or whatever, you know, yep. or or I, I buy one bag once a month. That's all I need and couldn't be happier. Or Will it be chalky? You know, hey, I, I drink this and it's smooth as can be. It's the best protein powder I've ever ever had. You know, things like that. So yeah, looking for what are those what are those objections or pain points, questions that are lingering, and then are those best answered through social proof? Really, really powerful. Love that. That's awesome. Uh, so one thing you talk about, and then also one thing Nick Sharma talks about in the mm -hmm. foreword of your book is. Uh, rolling out the red carpet, the Kim Kardashian red carpet treatment for your shoppers. What does that look like? How do we make our, our customers feel like Kim Kardashian? Yeah. Um, well, I think that the first thing is, is an anticipation of what people need. Mm -hmm. And you know what Nick is getting at in, in that when he wrote the intro for the book, which is where uh, you're pulling that from, you know, what Nick is really saying here is that it's no longer okay to just put up an e-commerce website and expect that people are going to buy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You now have to anticipate what people are going to need and want, and you have to pre-answer questions. So he gives the example of, hey, you, you know, if you're her personal assistant and she's on the red carpet and she's hungry and you didn't bring an apple to give her or whatever it might be as a snack, right? You're going to get fired because your whole job is to anticipate her needs and then deliver them, and that keeps her happy. Well, it's the same thing with your customers, where you really need to be able to anticipate what's that experience going to be. And one of the things I say quite often is that um, most brands, and especially in e-commerce, are they're stuck inside the jar, and they have a really hard time reading the label from inside the jar. They know their e-commerce website so well, they know their products so well, that when they go to their site, all their questions are answered because they already know all the answers. But a new-to-file customer who comes in and has no understanding of how to make their way through the site, uh, how to find the right product for them, 
you know, we just talked about, um, you know, ways that you can understand and increase trust by, you know, anticipating what their questions are going to be and answering those up front. That's a big challenge that a lot of brands never tackle. And so what happens is that um, that consumer comes in and they're not treated like Kim Kardashian on the red carpet. Instead, they're treated like just anybody walking in off the street and you're not helping them to complete the order. And it ends up reducing conversions pretty dramatically. Yeah, and I like this analogy of thinking like an assistant, right? So that that's really what we're doing, right? We're we're guiding someone, we're helping them, we're yes. we're their sherpa along the the journey, right, to to reach their goals and get what they want to get. And and yeah, you know what? A, what a bad guide or or an assistant who's not very helpful. What they would do is say. Well, you didn't tell me you needed that, right? I'll, I'll get you if you ask me to do it. That's not that's not good enough. That's not useful. Like you need to anticipate. Know that Kim Kardashian's gonna be hungry, right? Those those flat those flashing lights are bright. It's tough to wear a tight dress and walk down the the, the red carpet, right? You gotta you gotta know she's gonna be tired. She's gonna need some sugar. She's gonna need some you know an apple or whatever. So I, lo I love and, that analogy. And the only way to know that is experience. Yes. Right. And yeah. so going back to talking to your consumers, you will learn. What are their challenges? Yeah. And then you can address those on the site where I guarantee you, you know, every new assistant has no clue that somebody's going to get hungry on the red carpet. They just yeah. don't think about it. They're out right. there worried about other things. They've been right? on the red carpet before, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, right. So as they go through that and learn, they, they can start to anticipate. And it's the same thing for your e-commerce website, which is you need to be able to anticipate what people want. And the best way to do that is to ask them and to, to gain that experience, user testing, talking to consumers, um, trying A-B tests out. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things you can do there. And, uh, and that was really Nick's point. Yeah, love that. Uh, my, my next question, I know this could be misleading, and so there, there may be some caveats we give here, but you know, I think the, the best way to learn and do this process is to ask your users and to watch your users and to see what feedback they give. I think it's also instructive and helpful to look at what other successful companies are doing and, and try to learn something from it. I think it's key there to understand the underlying principles behind why people are doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And it's also pr pretty important to understand that you're not Amazon, so you can't just copy Amazon, what they do exactly, right? Things like that. But who, what companies do you feel like in the e-commerce space really get this process right that we could pay attention to and potentially learn from? Well... I think you know the reality is is you really should not be copying from from anybody. Quite mm -hmm. honestly, mm -hmm. um, are there brands that do it right? Yeah, there are brands who do specific things right. You know, uh, where you know you mentioned Amazon. I mean, they've got checkout down to a science. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so that's a great place to to look at. But if you look at their product detail pages, I, I personally don't think they they work extremely well. We've done user testing on them, and they're you know so. But a lot of brands will go and try to just copy. They're confusing. Their they're overwhelming. There's like a million things, and and not only are the pages overwhelming, but there's like 15 other different options, things you can buy. Now I know Amazon has tested it, and it works in their own way. But this would be like, hey, I want to open up a boutique, and so I'm going to go yep. shop Walmart and, and and learn from Walmart. Yep. You know, at Walmart store. That's that's probably not ideal for you. No, and this is why I think that copying your competitors is a distraction. Yeah. And there's a handful of things here that that really feed into that. The first is you don't know if you're cheating off of the valedictorian or the flunky. Yeah. You, you don't know. You don't have their data. <laughs> right. right? They may, may be mid-test and, and the, what you're copying is losing right now. You don't know that. Yeah. 100%. That's the, that's the next thing. You could be opted into a test. They could be running a AB or a multivariate test or something else that... They don't even know if it's going to work. And they're like, hey, let's give this a try. And you got opted in. You're like, oh, wow, they're doing that. They must know what they're doing because they're so much bigger than us or you know, they're taking our customers or whatever. We should probably do that too. And then the test fails for them. They take it down a week later or whatever. And you're stuck with the, with the negatives while they're moving on with the learnings. Right. So uh, the caution here is really that if you talk to your own customers, and if you focus on your site experience and improving that 1% every day, you will win and you'll sprint past the, uh, the competitors. 
you know, think about it this way. There's a reason why horse races wear blinders. And if you look, there's a graphic that opens each of these chapters. You've probably seen it. This chapter has um, a graphic of uh, horses racing with, uh, you know, and the, there's a gentleman on a laptop, uh, the jockey on top of the one. His, him and the, the racehorse have blinders on. And it really is true that if you just run your race straight down to where you want to go, you're going to get there much faster than if you start jogging all over the place back and forth trying to copy your competitors. So it just ends up really delaying you and you get off track. Um, and so I'm a firm believer that, yes, you could look at you know your, comp your competition for inspiration at times, but don't just blindly copy them. And at the very least, very least, run an, a test. Uh, with that concept, and make it your own, right? That's that's the other thing. So many brands will try to just replicate without making it their own, and it doesn't even fit into their brand, or their their consumers wouldn't even want that. Uh, yeah. So there's yeah, a I, I really I like this I like this philosophy where and and you could you could kind of look at this is kind of like the comparison game, right? Of mm -hmm. oh wow, this company's way bigger than mine. I need to grow too. Or wow, yeah. this person on social media is waking, making way more money than me seemingly they've got a nicer car or whatever i need to make more money yeah. and and so we can we could be misled or pulled along to to bounce back and forth on different things uh, which really won't lead to better results or or more happiness i do like to look at what other companies that i know are doing well and are successful i like to pay attention because there's probably something i can learn but it's one of those things where you have to look at at elements of a website that really speak to you or that that you notice are different and ask why like why are they doing this why could this be useful how could this be useful and then to your point test right if it is something that you're like whoa this this was just like a surprise and delight for me as i was shopping this site this could be good for my users that should lead to a test, not uh, let's just do it, you know, type of thing. Well, and one of the things that a lot of brands don't even think about doing is running user tests on your competitor's sites. Mm, so you could do user yeah, testing on your own site, but why not also send some of those users to your competitors and ask them to tell you about that experience? And uh, it's a you know that's better than anything else you're going to get. You know, off way of better than your own perspective of yes. shopping your competitor site and do that too. But yeah, the the only perspective that really matters here is your target market. You know, the the marketplace uh, is all that matters. So that's a great idea. Ha have your customers or, or users test your competitor's website. That's that's cool. That's worth the price of admission right there. <laughs> that's really good. I like it. I like it, man. Uh, awesome. So uh, this is another point that you and I definitely agree on and that is discounting is not optimization it's really just margin drain so unpack that a little bit explain your perspective on that well so many brands are on this hamster wheel of discounting and they just can't get off of it because they're afraid that once they turn off these sales or the discounts and we can talk about ways people use that that numbers are going to plummet Mm -hmm. um, and the challenge here is that once you have done that, you've created a discount customer for life, mm -hmm. right? So let's let's just talk about the worst offender: email pop up that offers a discount for an, in exchange for an email. So, uh, what eighty percent of brands do this now? Um, I think I I'm starting to time, see. Less. Sure. Yeah, I see brands doing it less and less, but. The reality here is that you are telling consumers as soon as they got to your site and you throw that pop-up in their face that your products aren't worth what you charge for them. They're mm -hmm. worth 10, 15, 20% less. Mm -hmm. You're saying right off the bat, pay me 20% less and it, just give me your email address. And the challenge with that is that you are going to eventually be stuck on this hamster wheel of sales that you're never going to be able to get off of. And consumers are never going to want to pay full price again. And that just eats your margins away. And you are working really hard to become Walmart, basically, without the volume and the scale. Right. And Walmart only works because of the volume and scale. Exactly. And so, volume, scale, and the way the way they they treat vendors and the way they negotiate on well, the back end and all those terms. Which like, they have to yeah, do, yeah. right? If you're not operating like that, you're not going to be able to compete on, on price. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. So that's where you know I'm a big fan of... Um, Instead of taking something away, always adding something. 
So what do I mean by that? Instead of a discount of a dollar or percentage off, give something. Offer free shipping off that first order or a free gift with purchase or you know bundles, right? It's a great way to do a discount. It's not psychologically a discount. You're saying buy these three items together and it costs less than if you bought them individually. So there's a whole bunch of things like that that you can do that will very easily offer value instead of a discount. And that's what I would recommend doing. Now, would a 10% off coupon cost you the same as free shipping? It may. But in the consumer's eyes, they're getting something added on and they're not looking at you as a discount brand. They're looking at, oh, wow, that's a surprise and delight. I'm getting something extra here. Um, and that's a great way to, you know, if I digress for a second, a great way to increase your average order value by saying, hey, free shipping over $50 and your average order is at 45 Watch right. that average order value go up pretty quickly. Yep, yep. it will usually, and there, there's a sweet spot there, but yeah, usually raising that uh, threshold, the free shipping threshold is going to raise your average order value. Yeah, I love this. I know uh, my, my friend Derek Halpern runs uh, Truvani and uh, used to run a site called Social Triggers. Mm-hmm. He talks about this a lot. They sell premium products at Truvani and uh, doesn't want to do discounts, and so never does them. Uh, but they will do premium gifts and really cool gifts. So, like they've done these really nice metal straws that go along with the protein powder. Or they did these really cool tote bags around the holidays that have Truvani on it, but they're they're artful and they look like a you know bag you'd pay forty bucks for. Right. And so he includes that uh, free when you when you you know make a purchase. Mm-hmm. And so it adds value. It ends up costing him about the same as doing like a fifteen percent discount, but it doesn't cheapen the product at all. Right. It actually deepens that relationship with the customer, which is really powerful. Um, there are a few exceptions here that I found that I think work. I'd be curious your mm-hmm. your take on these. Uh, we've worked with several brands that sell a consumable, whether that's like a fragrance or um, uh, you know supplement or protein shakes, things like that. Yeah. That will offer something in the beginning where they're saying, "Hey, we're so confident you're gonna fall in love with this that." This is a little sample pack, right? So mm-hmm. first shakes on it, whatever, you know, little sample pack, all you pay is shipping, give mm-hmm. that a try. We we have seen a lot of success with that yeah. um, through YouTube by driving people to that kind of offer. But curious what your thoughts are there. Like a sampling type offer, do you yeah. feel like that cheapens it or do you feel like that's different enough where it's like, hey, just give this, a, give this a shot. We'll buy your first drink type of thing. Yeah, that works extremely well. And we've done it with um, paint companies. We've worked with a handful of paint uh, brands that, you know, um, how else are you going to get to understand what that what that color looks like in your house? Right. Yeah. You got to yeah. send the sample, right? Yeah. And um, that works extremely well. We've done it with um, Miller Knoll, who makes, you know, um, Herman Miller and Knoll make really high-end, uh, usually kind of contemporary modern furniture, uh, mid-century modern, and fabric samples. Um, We optimized uh, Noel's website all around fabric samples and how to get those in people's hands because we did some research and we found that people who had ordered fabric samples converted about six to eight times more frequently than those who did not. And 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 my guess is they potentially bought more, right? Because they were confident after seeing and holding the sample. Now they may be confident to buy more products, right? And so that AOV potentially could go up. Exactly. So I, I'm all two thumbs up on that. I think sampling is not a discount. Um, sampling is um, something that doesn't necessarily cheapen a brand in the same right. way that um, giving a discount would. So Yeah, it's more of that. We talked about the transfer of confidence. It's a way of saying, hey, we're really confident in this, but we want you to be confident too. So, so try, yeah. try sample. You know. But again, the best way to look at this, you're giving something. You're not taking something yes. away. Yes, yes. That's always the rule that I have. Are you giving something or are you trying to take something away? Yep. So what's what's your take? How would you approach something like Black Friday, right? Mm-hmm. So everyone does discounts on Black Friday. People are addicted to it. What's your take mm-hmm. on that? How do you advise your clients around Black Friday or Cyber 5? Yeah, Cyber 5, I think is, um, you know, again, it's an easy button to discount during those days. Um, you could be doing exclusive products that you've held until then. Uh, you could be doing exclusive bundles. You uh, a lot of free gift with purchase, right? I can get you know, hey, if I buy this product, I get another small thing with it that I can then give as part of that gift. So really, I'm giving more than what I thought I would be. 
Um, that works extremely well. Um, this is where shipping can really come in, upgrading people's shipping over holidays, uh, especially as you get closer and closer to the to the deadlines. Um, that's a big one. Um, you know, I think there's a whole article up on thegood.com with, I don't know, we have like 60 to 80, we keep adding to this list, but um, things that are not discounts in ways that you can run promotions. And um, so if you're interested, there's a huge list up there. But the reality is that the easy button is to just do a discount for those. If you give it a day and do some brainstorming, you'll come up with a lot more options. And you know that's really where you're going to differentiate yourself from everybody else because I don't know about you, but my inbox over Cyber 5 is just all discount emails. It's everybody saying, hey, 50% off today only. Right? And they're trying to apply time and pressure and all the typical sales tactics that have been used for, for centuries. Where really, what I'm looking for is something different. Because if I was going to buy that brand, I was going to buy it anyways, quite honestly. But now if I, you can surprise and delight me with something extra um, during the holidays, I'm likely to, to be more excited about it. Super interesting. Yeah, I'll definitely link to that that article in the show notes. So check that out. So, and, and what's the title of that article again, or, or roughly? It's some. It's uh, I forget what the number is now, but I'll send it to you. It's a just uh, go to thegood.com/slash/insights. There's a search box. Type in discounting or discounts um, or promotions, and you'll get you'll find the article pretty quickly. Awesome. Love that. One one brand, uh, Ezra Firestone, Boom by Cindy Joseph. Mm-hmm. One one thing that they do that's really interesting is. They do no discounts except for Black Friday, and they do a 10% discount. But the way they promote, and this was interesting and I think worth noting, is they talk about this is the only discount of the year. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the only time we do it. There won't be another, there won't be anything else, but we just do this for our customers. Anyway, so I think yeah. there, there's some things you could do like that. And it's a 10% discount, right? Yeah. Um, but that's all they do yeah. one time a year. So that, it's, that's kind it's of really great when you can tag that to something meaningful for your brand. So mm-hmm. uh, we worked with, for years, with uh, Bear Performance Nutrition. So this gentleman, Nick Bear, B A R E, um, he's an, fitness influencer and has a whole supplement company that does extremely well. And he uh, is a uh, a former Marine. And so on, uh, on, I think he does Memorial Day is the only day that he ever runs a sale. So it's Memorial Day every year he runs a sale and that's the only day you're going to get a discount on his products. Mm. And um, it works extremely well because he's doing it as a, hey, this is a celebration Right, I'm doing it to to give back in this day um, that's meaningful for me, and it's not an everyday thing. It's during Black Friday that week he does not discount, um, but during Memorial Day it's his one day a year where he says, "You know what? This is meaningful for me. Yeah, I want to yeah. honor everybody." It, so it's a powerful reason why people resonate with that, and then it's almost mm-hmm. more like a. Oh, you're not discounting, you're doing like an act of charity or something or like an act of service. And so it's brand, it's on brand. It's on brand for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Another uh, example, and this may be in the article, but I love this strategy and this is really useful right now, especially as cost of everything are going up, supplies going up, supply chains more expensive, shipping, inflation, all that stuff. Uh, a lot of people are raising prices. Mm-hmm. So I, I know of two brands who've done this recently and it was one of their best sales or events ever where they're like, hey, we're about to raise prices. Hate to do it, but we got to raise prices because of these factors. And you, and mm-hmm. you, you make it understandable and you make it fun. We're like, hey, you can buy it our current prices for the next two or three weeks. I love this strategy. I had, I had two people recently tell me biggest promotion they've ever done. And it's like, we didn't discount at all. We just, we said we're about to raise prices. We haven't done it yet. Lock in this price while you can. Yeah, I love that idea. I love that idea. And again, you're not discounting. Right. I mean, you're basically telling people, hey, I'm doing you a service by giving you a heads up. Right. I'm treating you right. And yeah, I want you exactly. to know I'm not going to pull the rug out from under you. Yeah. And again, I feel like that's adding, not taking away. Because exactly. you're basically adding in the ability to order this before the price goes up. And I'm giving you the knowledge. I'm adding in the knowledge that prices are going to go up. Yeah, yeah, really good. John, this has been fantastic, man. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all hyped up about <laughs> optimizing now and getting out there and make, making the web a better place, making my website better as well. So if people enjoyed this interview, which I know they did, and they're probably looking like, hey, that's a good looking book. I'd like to check that out. Yeah. Uh, where can people find this book? 
Uh, well, it's, uh, every bookseller has it, um, but the easiest place is to go to thegood.com slash books, and uh, you can see all the books I've written there, and I'll order this one. Um, and uh, either get an ebook copy right away uh, or hardback or paperback uh, mailed to you. So uh, it's all over Amazon as well. Again, the book is Opting Into Optimization. Um, so um, I'm happy to, to have people reading it and that it's been such a success. So it's awesome, man. And then if folks are listening and say, man, I'd like John and team to take a look at my website. I know you offer teardowns yeah. and, and then optimization services as well. What's, what's the best way for someone to go about uh, talking to just, you about that? Yeah, just shoot me an email. Um, it's J-O-N at thegood.com. So J-O-N with no H at thegood.com. Um, people respect it. I, you know, I, I try to get through my email as, uh, as often as I can. So shoot me a note. I promise I'll get back to you. Awesome. John, this has been fabulous, man. This what you, you brought the goods on the call today. <laughs> I really appreciate it, buddy. And I appreciate you. You're, you're playing hurt, man. You're, you're delivering good results. I know that shoulder's banged up. I know you're in a lot of pain right now. And so I appreciate you coming on the show and delivering no such value. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Brad. Awesome. Thanks, John. All right. And thank you for tuning in. Really appreciate it. As always, I would love to hear from you. If you've not reviewed the show, hey, now'd be a good time to do that. We'd love that five-star review. If you think the show is worthy, it does help other people discover the show. And so with that, until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.